Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 144, Hierarchical Thinking in Gaming. Presented by Gil Hova and Jonathan Gilmore. Welcome. I'm just going to finish setting up over here real quick, get my notes. Oh, you got your notes here. Yep. We all have our notes. All right. Uh, welcome to Cooling Down the Hot Take. Uh, this is a uh, panel I really wanted to do for a long time, so I'm glad you're here. Um, so uh, let's get started. Uh, John, yes. got a question for you. Century Spice Road? Yes. Splendor. Oh, very popular. Yes, very, well, yeah, with uh, bits so popular it's got bits falling out. <laughs> Which is better? Uh, Century Spice Road. Okay. Very interesting. Let me clean up my stuff. Now then, question number two. Which is better? Bananas. Okay. Which is better? Century Spice Road. There we go. Thank you so much for coming to our talk today. <laughs> so we're here, to, what we just saw was hierarchical thinking. You know, taking two objects, comparing them, and assigning some sort of value judgment for them, saying one is better than the other. And this is one of those things that is everywhere in board games, just like everywhere. Like we see top 10 lists, you know? We see awards like the Spiel Diaras, uh, uh, the Golden Geeks, Mensa Mind Games. Uh, have you guys heard of Jones Theory? Um, it's this idea that if you have the, if you want to get like a collection to your, a game collection to a manageable size, you can curate it by getting the best games of each type, quote unquote, like the best worker placement game, the best deck builder, and so on. Um, or at least your favorite of each one. <coughs> and that requires hierarchical thinking also. Have you ever heard this, the term, this game fired that game? You hear that a lot with Splendor and Century Spice Road. Um, and, of course, rankings on BGG sort of, well, not strictly hierarchical, get to that. So, John, do you see examples of that also? Uh, I see it a lot, especially in the online communities. Mm -hmm. um, people are constantly saying things like, this game fired that game. Yep. Or, yeah. you know, Tom Vassell does his yearly top 100 games. Mm -hmm. So, I think that it's, I mean, it's pretty pervasive. Yeah. Uh, this I was listening to a podcast today, and uh, it was set. At, at, it was they're recording it at Essen, and one of the questions was, "What's the one game you want everybody to know about?" You know, so I don't want to bag on this uh, kind of thinking, you know, because I think it's it's useful. So, the, like the first thing about it is, like we can't play board games without thinking hierarchically. You know, um, like we got to choose our strategies. If I want to go left or right. Um, 
I have to decide which one's better, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that involves a kind of hierarchical thinking. Um, and I think it's also fun to talk about, you know? I think that's one reason why it's so popular with podcasts, because it creates instant debate. You know, we could have talked for, um, you know, for like 30 minutes about whether Century Spice Road or Splendor is a better game, quote unquote, you know? Um, and also, like, like with Jones Theory, it helps with uh, limited collection space and a glut of games, you know? Yeah. But do you find there's limitations to thinking hier hierarchically? I think there are. I, I have a hard time, like, picking out my favorite game. Like, I have a few mm -hmm. games that I think are perfect tens, but beyond that, like, I have a hard time saying, like, because part of it is because we have to play so many games because it's our job and, you know, constantly explore it, but it's hard for me to say, like, I don't want to play this game or I'd rather play this game. Yeah. And people ask, like, what's your favorite game that you've designed? I mean, can you answer that question? It's usually the one I'm most currently passionate about. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard one. That's, you know, that's a typically a hard question to answer. So it's, it's like picking out your favorite kid. Exactly, exactly. That's an easy question for me because I don't have any kids. <laughs> so um, there's, like, one thing that... that, that that gets me about this. There's real five. There's five real outcomes when it comes if you compare two objects hierarchically, and one of them is one is significantly better than the other, right? So, like for example, um, if you look at a game, what's a what's a really bad game, for example? Oh, a really bad game. A really bad game. Uh, phase ten. Excellent. Great. Okay. <laughs> so, Century Spice Road is significantly better than Phase Ten. Yes. I think that's a very non-controversial statement to make. Although, you know, if you're playing with, say, people who are very familiar with Phase 10, people who, like, met over a game of Phase 10, <coughs> that's going to be a less defensible statement. But I, I think every game is somebody's favorite game. Exactly, exactly. So, but that said, you know, with all things being equal, that's a fairly safe statement to make. Um, and it's one reason why people don't mind making hierarchical statements, because sometimes, you know, they can be useful, you know. Um, but then there's a situation. I said there's five outcomes. That's one of the outcomes. One is really better than the other. Another one is that they're just, like, of relatively equal value. Like, both games are just about the same in terms of how much you enjoy them, you know. Um, like, have you found, have you played games that are just, these are both, like, I'll, I'll play either one? Yeah, especially when they're real similar, like... Mm -hmm. I mean, if one isn't just significantly better than the other, I'm just happy to play either one. Yeah, yeah. I think that happens a lot with deck builders. Yep. Like, you can throw just about any deck builder that doesn't do something different in mm -hmm. front of me, and I'll have just as good a time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many deck builders that go off the same formula also, and I think that, that has a lot to do with it. Uh, another, so here's another one. Um, games A and B, or items A and B. Thank you, Andy are um, of high enough quality that either one is going to be good. Mm -hmm. And this is one that gets me all the time. I mean, for me, this is the Century Ro Spice Road Splendor thing, that I think they're both such good games that I feel like saying Century Spice Road is so much better than Splendor, I feel like that devalues Splendor a little bit. Like, right now I'm playing with Splendor's poker chess <laughs> just because how can you not, you know? Uh, but... Um, and that's certainly really subjective, because I, I feel completely different about Splendor. I oh, really? I don't feel it's a good game. Oh, man. <laughs> this is, again, this is where the, the, the fun starts, you know? This is where hierarchical thinking, especially in media, can be really fun and useful. Yeah. Again, we can spend 30 minutes talking about it. Um,
But yeah, it, um, I remember in baseball. Do you follow baseball? baseball? I'm not a sports guy. Not a sports guy. Okay. Uh, there was um, there was always talk about like if there's three really good shortstops in a year, somebody's always said which who would you rather have on your team, and it kind of misses the point that like I'll take the one you don't pick. You know, I'll take the worst the the worst one of the three. And I'll take like a bunch of other players, you know. So I feel like sometimes when they're both good enough quality, um, these items that we're comparing, I, I just I'm not really compelled to. As it doesn't really, it, the question doesn't feel as meaningful to me, you know. Now, what about the opposite? Like when A and B are of such poor quality that neither will be <laughs> that good, you know. Like, um, like you, you ever hear the question? Uh, would you rather die in a fire or drown? You yeah. know, and it's like, uh, would you rather like die of cancer or a heart attack? I mean, well, the answer is no. I don't want to do either. <laughs> you know, um, so I, I, you know, that that's. I mean, those questions have a purpose. You know, they're not meant to literally rank those things. They're meant to bring out a little bit of your personality. You know, mm -hmm. but the awkwardness about them, you know, is that they're um, you're comparing two things that are that are both really bad, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, here's another one. Um, each one serves a specific situational need. Like, is a hammer better than a screwdriver? Subjectively. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, it depends. Do you need to nail something in or do you need to screw something in? Mm -hmm. um, and I put five hierarchical outcomes. There's actually six, and there's just, like, no rational, objective, quantifiable way to compare them. Like, comparing a banana to Century Spice Road is... I mean, maybe some people can do it, but it would be awfully funny. You know? But I think when, it, when you get to that, then you have to add, you know, the caveats. Well, which one, which one's better in nutritional value? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which one has more replayability? You know, those, those are all, uh, yeah, all those the questions. the banana's a legacy game. Yeah, it's a, it's a legacy <laughs> banana. <Yeah. laughs> um, well, but, I think these outcomes are interesting, like, yeah. to think about when you're comparing two things, too. Mm -hmm. Like, what is... The potential outcome of it. Uh, one of the examples that I used about this is the new uh, Justice League movie. Mm -hmm. Because they have a different actor playing the Flash in that than having playing uh, playing oh, the Flash on good TV. Good example, yeah. And I'm like, well, what are the outcomes of this? If mm -hmm. the TV, if the movie Flash is better, mm -hmm. then it devalues the TV Flash that everybody loves. And if mm -hmm. he's worse, then it's just a bad choice. Mm -hmm. So like, if you use hierarchical thinking to think, why are people making these decisions? Those outcomes are important. Yeah, yeah. Here's another one. Um, this is one that I see a lot. Uh, the new Star Trek, what's the new Star Trek called? Discovery? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Star Trek Discovery versus the Orville, mm -hmm. you know? And it seems like a lot of people are really taking sides. Like, only one of them, <laughs> there's only room in their hearts for one of <laughs> yeah. them. And it's like, well, can, uh, what I don't understand, okay, I'm not a Star Trek fan. So I have to ask, <laughs> can you watch both? Like, mm -hmm. can you be a fan of both? Like, uh, or... Is this the kind of thing where, like, with, like, I want to ask with Century and Splendor, can you be a fan of both, or are they so similar that uh, that your brain just instinctively wants to sort them? Mm. I think you can certainly be fans of both. I mean, there's, like I said, when when it's not, when I'm not talking about games that I think are tens, mm -hmm. like every other game is on pretty even ground for me, and I'm you mm -hmm. know equally a fan of one versus another. So I, even though I'm, I don't care for Splendor, I would still play it. And mm -hmm. yeah, do you find people there? There are people who will who are more likely to sort than others. Oh, I think so. I think it's just kind of intrinsic with some people where they, you know, will say, "Well, this game's just better than this one, so I don't want to play." Mm -hmm. You know what I'm like? I'm like that with food. 
you know, because uh, I'm not a huge food fan. So, like, I'll go at a restaurant and I'll find what my favorite thing is at the restaurant and I'll just always order from them. Mm-hmm. And it drives some people bats, you know, because they want, you know, they're, they're oh, what, what I'm in the mood for today? What do I want to try today? Whereas I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm just going to have my sandwich from, from before. And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely the latter, I'll, you know, or try something new all the time. Yeah, yeah. I think the more into something you are, this is my hypothesis, and please burst it or attack it as, 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 or, or praise it as you see fit. I think the more into something you are, the harder hierarchical thinking becomes. Um, whereas if you're, I guess, more casually into something, uh, or if you're not into it, you're more likely to think hierarchically about it. Maybe you can see more shades if you're really into something. Hmm. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I could be totally off base. That's but. interesting. I mean, I think when I look at, like, the, the board game Facebook groups and you know, the board game subreddit, like it seems like people who are passionate about the hobby are very into hierarchical thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think some of those people coming in, yeah, the casuals just either don't have the scope mm-hmm. to do it or don't care. Yeah. Or they're happy playing whatever game you throw in front of them or... Mm-hmm. You know, they just haven't formed those opinions yet. Yeah, uh, you know, there's this silent majority, you know, they're not on VGG, maybe they only casually browse Reddit, you know, so for them, it's not so important. <coughs> it's more important that they play a game than they actually, um, than they uh, rank something or feel that one is better than another or that sort of thing. And I think you're right, even though it doesn't feel like it, I think that's the majority of the market, too. Oh, it's yeah. not actively Absolutely. participating in those things. It's a little like an iceberg, you know, we see a little bit, but there's such a huge mess underneath, a huge mass of people, you know, who like to play a game every once in a while, but they're not self-identified game fans, you know, yeah. so it's, there, there's, a, there's a lot there. So let's talk a little about consequences of hierarchical thinking, like um, the context of it, like do you, every year there's always this hubbub when the Spiel DR is, is announced, and it's like, oh, why did this game make it and that game... Do, uh, um, didn't make it, that sort of thing. Um, do you do you see this sort of hubbub? What do you think about that sort of thing? I think it definitely makes a huge impact. I think, you know, when a game makes a top ten list like that, it mm-hmm. helps longevity. I mean, it it definitely helped, you know, Dead of Winter having the visibility of the Golden Geek Award and yep. things like that. Absolutely. And a game like Splendor, when it wins the mm-hmm. Spiel, then I think mm-hmm. sales just exceptionally go through the roof for it. Yeah, yeah, very much, especially in Germany. But do you see that... Um, with uh, with awards um, that people start really de- it starts debates you know and it starts um, uh, about whether a game deserved and especially with Spiel Diaras where it has this reputation of being the best game in the world where the award is really about the best game for German families mm-hmm. you know so like you know the Kenner Spiel uh, which is the best complicated I'm sorry what the enthusiasts game yeah. that's the that's the translation the best Kenner Spiel DRs is a new award uh, that's a companion to the Spiel DRs and everybody here knows about the Spiel DRs right yeah uh, so, uh, Spiel DRs is the best game this the game of the year in Germany it's given out by a uh, German jury and the game that wins Spiel DRs tends to go on to sell at least hundred thousand copies in Germany. It tends to be extremely popular. Um, so it's a very important curation device. Uh, and somehow the Spiel DRs has become this watermark for games in general. Like it's gone beyond its purpose of 
best family game, and now it's considered by a lot of people to be best game. Like that context is getting lost. Mm -hmm. That's so because it was probably the only professional. It was literally the only professional work pretty long. Yes, for like twenty to thirty years, I think. Seventy nine was the first one. Seventy nine was the first one. Yeah, with Hair and I think was. Yep. So, um, so it was. Um, so because of that, it's, it's really accrued this real, um, this this respect over the years, and uh, which you know, a word that's been around for so long, you know, has arguably deserved some <coughs> of that. But people are looking at now as in it's this is the best game of the year, and they're asking, you know, how come Terra Mystica isn't up for Spiel des And you know, the answer is Terra Mystica is not a family game. And Spiel des is just a family game. So they announced a few years ago they were going to do an enthusiasts game, you know, for uh, for uh, and this is for more complicated games. And people got excited. They thought, okay, now our gamers' games are going to be considered for Spiel des But um, Seven Wonders was the first winner of the Kenner Spiel des which threw a lot of people for a loop because they thought. Um, that Seven Wonders would be a Spiel des candidate. Mm -hmm. But Spiel des is meant to be dead simple, like a really simple family game, which Seven Wonders is not. Yeah. So I think that's like an example of when, you, when, you, when somebody is, I'm going to say, professionally engaging in a form of hierarchical thinking, the way the Spiel des jury is. I don't know if professional is the right word, but it's a very visible form of hierarchical thinking. Uh, you really have to consider the context um, and the context of, is, of the Spiel des is this is for a German family. And when you don't have that, um, when, when, you, when you miss that, you get a lot of arguments like, why am I even paying attention? I should to just totally ignore the Spiel des which if you're like an enthusiast gamer, may not be a bad idea, you know, because <laughs> that award is not for you. Yeah. Have you seen this with other kinds of awards? I think so, and I think it's tricky too because there's some awards that... Um, like the, the I think that the Mensa Select is one that you have to pay for entry oh, to yes. be even considered for. So yep. like I worry that when people start being concerned about if their game's a Mensa Select, like that I need this award thinking is a is a very slippery slope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can you uh, elaborate on that? Like in terms of um, like publishers needing that award, you feel like. Yeah, I think like publishers feel like they need that validation mm -hmm. and that the the sales boost is worth like investing in this. Because, like I don't think the Mensa award is really a good award because I don't think you should be paying for those things. Like mm. the Spiel is picking out from you know all the games on the market mm -hmm. and you know uses their board to select it. But the, but it's like with with uh, Spiel you pay going out because I believe the winners of the Spiel DRs have to pay for the rights uh, to use the Golden Popple. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. You actually physically pay for the stickers. That. <laughs> that is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's really interesting uh, that you know it, there's always going to be like for the really high profile awards. Um, I don't, can we consider Mensa? Mensa's getting better, I think, in terms. Of I, I think it gained a lot of attention when um, Euphoria, Euphoria, and World's Fair both. Yeah. They got it. And yeah, gamers started to look at it a little more, and they started to look a little more well, closely. The yeah. I, yeah. I think it looks good on the shelf, honestly. Like somebody who's looking for a game that looks intelligent, they're like, oh, look, Mensa, I'm going to approve this. It's great. <laughs> and the more, for my 13 year old. Yeah, the more stickers, like you hit five stickers, people are like, I'll just auto buy this game. Cause mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It must be, you know, it must be good. It's gotten that many. Um, it's gotten that many accolades. So, um, but the context is important because Mensa, um, 
Mensa is interesting, you know, because the way they do the award with Mind Games is they bring a bunch of Mensa members at a convention, <coughs> Mind Games convention, and they play as many nominees as they can in two days. So the award tends to favor shorter games, shorter games with simpler rule sets, because those do better, you know? So again, the context here is important, and it was such a surprise when Euphoria won, because that's not really a game that shines in that sort of environment. Yeah. Um, also, I have to say, a lot of people who go to mind games are not, I have to be very careful here, they're not what we consider traditional hobby gamers. They're not that much and that they're not as ensconced in the hobby as you or I mm -hmm. or anyone uh, on this panel. Uh, I, think it's, I think that's fair to say. Uh, that's not to say that they don't belong there. That's not to say that their views are invalid. But it is important considering... You have, to, you have to take the board with it. We, we actually did submit one, and some of the feedback we got totally verified. Oh, yes. Uh, I got so much feedback about the network saying this game is convoluted. You know, and the networks, get, uh, the, the feedback I get from the hobby gamer community is this game so streamlined, you know, so <laughs> it's very, it, it's, it's a very, very different thing. Um, and I know, I know people at Mensa, they're really working on it and they really want it to edge it a little more towards the gamer side and get it away from uh, kind of the mass market side. I mean, I've played with Mensa members, um, you know, and... I played something like Carcassonne with, uh, with a Mensa member once, and we were making his moves for him the whole <laughs> way through, and then we finished, he said, can we play Scrabble now? <laughs> so, I mean, Mensa is, um, it, it's, it's one of those things, like, as, as, as you said, it's not necessarily a, um, it's one thing to have a high IQ, and it's another thing to be a huge fan of games, and that's not meant to disparage members of Mensa, it's just that one will not necessarily map to another. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, there is, there's some good, there is a lot of overlap, but the overlap is not guaranteed. It's not one, it's not one to one, very mm -hmm. much so. Um, it's, it's a really fascinating argument, and I think we get to see sometimes um, hierarchical thinking really start to spill over in other walks of life. Like, um, like, like for example. You know, John and I can start talking about Century Spice Road versus Splendor. And if we were two different people, like I know the discussion between John and me would be pretty interesting because I'd want to know John's perspective and John would want to know my perspective. It'd be a really cool exchange of ideas. But if you get like two alpha gamers together on the same subject, they might just try to start winning the argument. And mm -hmm. that's another kind of hierarchical thinking that comes in. Like an argument is something that must be one. It's a zero-sum thing, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think that's where hierarchical thinking really starts to mess, really starts getting negative, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that, yeah, it definitely tends to be that, especially with the, the online enthusiasts, that vocal yes. minority. Yep. I, there's so many times where I see on, you know, whether it's the Facebook group or the subreddit, where people start threads about, like, what's your most disappointing game of the year? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why are, why are you spending the energy discussing these things that you hate? Yeah. Like, why not talk about, like, what's your most exciting game of the year? Mm -hmm. And it seems like there's a tendency for some people to always 
hierarchical thing negative yeah than positive oh my gosh yeah the negative hierarchical thinking like what's the worst thing what's again you know a lot of it is i mean you go to like espn.com you know you go to sports pages and it's all just drama you know it's all just manufactured drama mm-hmm. uh so they love crap like that you know they love talking about what's the worst team what's the worst player well, uh, in science, science fiction Science fiction, as long as I've been reading it, there's a group of people who read science fiction. Their goal is to find mistakes in the science. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as I, that, so that's literally, I mean, <laughs> but, and this has been barely community forever. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think we see the same thing happening in the board game community too. Yeah. I mean, you have something like like the Razzies, for example, which celebrate the worst movies. Um, it's so this is I, I I don't want to totally like come down on this because there's a fun to it. You know, sometimes, you know, you're you're poking fun. It's certainly something like the Razzies, you're punching up, right? Because you're you're looking at these big blockbuster movies that are millions and millions of dollars. And while there's hours and days and sometimes years of work behind them, mm-hmm. um, there's sort of the social acceptance that this thing has gotten big enough that you can laugh at it, you can make fun of it, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. It's tougher, now we're, we're game industry insiders, so of course we're gonna say we, we don't like it as much when people don't do it with, with games, but uh, that's because we see it still as sort of this cottage industry, you know? It's not this faceless, enormous industry like film. But then again, you know, having worked in film, if like somebody said, um, I hated the Pokemon movies because I, I hated Pokemon 2 because the uh, voices didn't match up with the lift flaps. <laughs> I would get really angry because, no, no, they did. I know that because that was two months of my life was matching that up. I know they match up. So, um, so yeah, so somebody who, like, works on that, uh, you know, they're, they're, I know they're, they're going to want to push back. So there's, and I think a part of that is also the, the access that the board game industry affords uh, fans, like people on the subreddit, people on Board Game Geek. You know, when they trash a game, suddenly the designer can come in and say, "Hi, everyone. Oh, I'm sorry you didn't like my game," and that that changes the conversation. One of the one of the favorite comments I ever got was on Reddit. Somebody like just trashed at a winner, and mm-hmm. my response was, like, "I'm really sorry you didn't like it." Uh, and that and that was it. Just that was my entire response. And they responded, "I hate that you're here." <laughs> <laughs> Like, they wanted to anonymously trash it and not think that there was another person on the other end of yep, it. Yep. But I think a lot of it comes with context. Like, I really enjoy reading, like, why people don't enjoy Dead of Winter or any of my mm-hmm. other games. Like, because that's useful to me as a designer. When I read, a, like, a well-thought-out critique of it, that's really enjoyable for me. Because, oh, okay, well, I see why the game didn't work for this person. Mm-hmm. But, like, what bothers me is when I see somebody just post, like, X game is garbage. Yeah. I'm like, well... Go into detail, and yeah. I think I think it tends to be more when people think in the negative with a negative hierarchy. That's the way it just comes out a lot of time. Is like this game's trash, and then that's the end of it. Whereas something like the Razzies, where they talk about like the merits of the movie and like why it's not good, mm-hmm. is different. But when it's when people are thinking in an upwards hierarchy, they tend to be more like these are the reasons why I'm justifying it. Mm-hmm. But when it's just like crapping on a game, it's easy to say like, uh, it's garbage and I don't have to explain it because that's my opinion. Yeah, and I think also, I think it gets to this, also, this thing of um, trying to win a zero-sum argument because you get into this thing where um, this game is garbage and that's the entirety of my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what your opinion is. My opinion is that it's garbage. <laughs> and that is such a boring argument. I mean, I don't care if, if it's right you know, you can argue to me that Phase 10 is garbage, 
But if that's the extent of your argument, that's a boring argument. Yeah. You know, I want to hear why you don't like Phase Ten. You know, I want to hear why you don't like Splendor. I want to hear why you don't like the networks. You know, why you don't like Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, I might defend it. I might not. But the important thing is you get this exchange of ideas. You get inside the other person's head. And, that's int- and I think that's important for podcasters and media people to know that it's not just um, you know, two people shouting at each other from across their lines. You know, it's actually getting to the other person's head. And that's where you get um, interesting, argu- interesting debates. You yeah. know? Uh, when you get the two people who understand each other's positions and then start drilling, you know, deep diving into it. Not necessarily to convince the other person, but just to understand it. Um, I mean, you and I can disagree on Splendor, and the room's not going to collapse. Yeah, you know, it's and that's I think an important thing. Also, this is not um, this is not global warming we're talking <laughs> about here. We can disagree on this, and life will go on. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think the people who tend to just do short like this game's crap for some reason it seems like their personality is that they don't want to consider anything else too. So yeah, like just respond to them isn't even worth the time. But mm-hmm. somebody who you know, post a thoughtful thing, you can be like, well, well, you know, this is what we were thinking when we designed it, and at least let me help you understand where I came from when we made those decisions. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I had someone <coughs> who uh, posted a thread on the network saying, worst box insert ever. <laughs> and um, then when I posted on it and I said, I'm sorry, I don't like it, but have you tried doing it this way? Um, he apologized profusely and changed uh, the thread to that he didn't like the thread title to he didn't like the box insert. Yeah. And he had confessed that he really liked hyperbole. <laughs> I think hyperbole, you know, enters oh, yeah. into hyperbole's I mean hyperbole's fun again. Hyper and hyperbole it makes you sound smart, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think people when they do things like that, they realize how far reaching that is. Like that just being the the post title, mm-hmm. like there's a large percentage of the people that won't read past that. Mm-hmm. And they'll just be like, oh that guy said that it was a, the worst insert ever, so I'm not even gonna buy it or uh, you know, they don't watch the entire review or don't read a well-thought-out critique. And unfortunately, because for some reason we love clickbait titles, mm-hmm. those are successful. That's how you get clicks, is yep. writing horribly written titles that made things sound awful. We love the hot take, you know? Yep. Um, and it's uh, and that can be tricky, you know? It's, uh, it's I mean, I hate reading sports coverage these days. It's... It's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. I mean, so much of it is artificially made drama. It's our anchor says this. You know, it's not even that this happened on the field. Is their news article is literally our anchor said this is what our anchor thinks. You know, <laughs> our anchor thinks this. Our anchor thinks that. You know, and after a while, I, I'm like, I I don't care. I don't really care about this this hot take. You know, it's yeah. just, it's, it's really annoying. Now. Um, I, I had an interesting thing happen at Essen. Um, I, uh, my roommate at Essen um, brought up a hierarchical topic. And again, this relates to sports. And apologies for people who don't like sports. <laughs> but um, he said uh, he, he wanted to pose a hierarchical discussion. He wanted to pose this idea of uh, who is, what kind of athlete, what sport has the most fit athletes, you know? And... Our friend who was there said, I'm not interested in answering this question because that's just not an interesting question to me. And then the argument became, um, so, so what ha- this is kind of interesting. My roommate got upset because he felt like he was being shut down. The other guy got upset 
because he thought that it was just sort of a nonsense topic. And what it came down to is one person wanted an exercise of thinking hierarchically, and the other person just wasn't in the mood, you know? Because sometimes hierarchical thinking can be totally recreational. Mm -hmm. um, it could just be fun, but that means you got to buy in. you got to voluntarily enter, and this guy didn't want to voluntarily enter. Um, so sometimes it takes, it takes two to tango, you know? Um, it, takes one, it, takes a, it takes one person to make the hot take, it takes another person to read the hot take, you know, or participate or be the other end of, of the argument. Because when the argument becomes, this is boring, like I don't really want to talk about it, the tone of the argument totally shifts, and sometimes it gets really hurt and uh, personal, mm -hmm. you know? It's, it was a really strange evening. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it seems like it happens more in like large groups, like mm -hmm. where those kind of discussions will start, because it's easier to find at least one of the other members who's receptive. Yeah. But yeah. it does seem like you usually have like one or two people who just don't want to even participate in that conversation. Yeah, but the thing it, online, when somebody doesn't want to participate in the conversation, there's no action from that. You just see, you, you don't see any posts. It's just a withdrawal, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas if one person is like um, is being argumentative, they're probably their tone like because this is we're getting into sort of like meta conversation here, right? Because they're not even arguing about the subject anymore; they're arguing about the tone, they're arguing about the way that the subject was put forth. Like yeah. they're not arguing about the actual topic, like you know um, who the most fit kind of athlete is is it parenthetically enters into it because it's more of well, I don't think this is an interesting argument because. People tend to train specifically for certain sports, therefore it's tough to measure apples to oranges, you know? So, um, and the, the, then the other person said, no, there must be some single metric. Uh, and the other person said, no, there is no metric. And the, <coughs> the argument devolved from there into like whether, it, 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 online this will descend very shortly, you know, into Godwin's Law. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really strange. Um, I mean, I find being able to, so my takeaway from all this personally is that hierarchical thinking can be really fun to participate in uh, if everybody's willing, if everybody wants to be a part of it. If you're like on a podcast and somebody wants to sort of engage in that rhetoric and you're willing to engage in the rhetoric, rhetoric you can play in that rhetoric as long as it's not a matter of like, you know, your mom, no, your mom, no, your face is ugly, you know, mm. that sort of thing. But you're actually reaching in and trying to understand the other person's argument. Um, you know, it frames some interesting discussion, like, would you rather burn to death or would you rather drown, uh, can provoke interesting discussion, so long as everybody's on board with that and everybody sort of knows the rule. Um, rules, I'm gonna run over and turn my... Um, I guess, so what is one of your favorite go-to hierarchical thinking questions when it comes to board games? Oh, man. Um, you know, sometimes it's, if I'm at a convention, you know, I'll ask people, um, what's your, you know, what game do you really enjoy playing here? You know, except I won't think um, hierarchically. I won't phrase it hierarchically. I'll be like, um, what games, uh, what games do you enjoy? You know? Mm -hmm. So... It's tricky, like I don't always look at it from a hierarchical point of view. Instead, I try to uh, look at it from a, um, here we go. I, I try to look at it from more of like a, um, a you know, there's multiple answers here. It's not, there's not only one way to look at it. I always like to ask people, especially uh, with, 
you know, we have people that we see at conventions like two or three times a year. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times there's going to be a big gap between, you know, you and I seeing each other. Yeah. Uh, I usually like to ask, like, what's the most exciting thing you've played since the last time I saw you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, because, you know, it's not a test, it's not a quiz. If I give you three answers, I mean, you're going to be totally fine with that. Yeah. But um, sometimes it's it just like boiling it down to one gets like such, it's so hard to think of just one thing. Sometimes it just becomes, just give me the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. It comes back to like the question I had at the very beginning. Like you could have like AP'd on those questions. You know, <laughs> you could have been like, oh well, I'm really feeling like an apple, but a banana has so much potassium. <laughs> you know, so um, I it, it 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 can really that can really be be a big part of it. Yeah, but uh, getting back to what I was uh, thinking before, I was like, like I I like occasionally engaging in hierarchical thinking. You know, sometimes I was I remember like um, I was thinking like what are the most influential like the ten most influential British bands, you know, for example. That was one question that I was like, oh, this is interesting to think about, and I started making a list of trying to rank them, and it was a fun exercise, mm -hmm. you know, but. Um, uh, it's not like number 11, whatever band number 11 turns out to be, is like, oh, I'm just going to delete all their albums from my collection because they're totally worthless. So I think being able to turn off hierarchical thinking is is really, really useful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you sh anybody should participate in it all the time because... Exactly. You know. Yeah, you'll just close out so many uh, potential doors. Because you start seeing the world as zero sum. Yeah, I, and uh, as podcasters, I think that you guys have to be really aware of it What's saying, like online stores are better yeah. than physical stores? Well, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if you go back to Century and Splendor, uh -huh. so I haven't played Century, but I've heard good things about it. And when I play Splendor, I think it's a little dry. So when you posed that right away, my reaction was, yeah, Century's a better game. Mm -hmm. I haven't played Century. I think it's a better game. Because I feel Splendor's a little dry. That is, I mean, that's just, I think that the whole social activity is almost a cultural exchange. Yep. Well, you get a little bit of an echo chamber effect that happens. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if some people see online a bunch of times that, like, this game is horrible, like, they will just start saying, or like you're saying, uh, Century Spice Road's good, that I haven't played it. Same thing happens with games being bad. Mm -hmm. Or, like, even worse, I haven't played this, but I've heard it's bad. People who judge games without even having played them. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I tell people, like, it used to be that, like, I got upset when people... Um, judged my games after one play. Now I'm grateful they've ju they played my game before <laughs> judging it, you know? Yeah. Uh, at least they, they took the time. They took the, yeah, it's better than yeah, mm -hmm. not playing at all. Um, yeah, I've seen like a lot of people post online that uh, Wasteland Express Jewelry Service, they'll be like, oh, I heard it's like four and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, you can go watch the Dice Tower, play it. Like they did a live stream in two hours. Like mm -hmm. I have, there's a video proof of it not being that long, mm -hmm. or you can keep thinking what you want to think. Mm -hmm. But... It's so strange how that this this misinformation spreads because there's such a glut of games that I think a lot of fans like actively look for reasons to disqualify a game. And mm -hmm. I don't want to say that you know sounded like a hurt designer because frankly I've done it too. You yeah. know, there's almost a sense of relief when you hear that a game's not that good. Like, oh, phew, one less game to worry about. Yeah. You know. With as many come out every year, absolutely. Oh my gosh, yeah. So there's such an enormous number of games. So I, that's where hierarchical thinking really becomes an important tool. It becomes a dangerous tool, of course, because it's easy to miss something that could have been in your wheelhouse. But honestly, like, if you miss a game that you could have really loved, 
I mean, that's missing a little bit of a cultural, uh, cultural so worst case scenario, you miss something that, you know, really, you can, a game that you can really make a connection with. But, mm. you know, it's not like getting hit with a bus, you know? It's, uh, there, there are worse things to happen in life than missing, missing out on a really good game. Um, although, us being gamers, that, that is kind of a disappointment, you know? Would you rather have got hit by a bus or never played your favorite game? Oh my god, John, don't do this to me. <laughs> Um, I would rather not have played my favorite game. And I okay. think that's my point, you know, that it's not such a bad um, outcome. Yeah. Um, and I think this is also useful, like, if you, if you want to try something new. Like, I've been getting really into interactive fiction lately. Um, I, and especially, like, the, the, the real squishy and weird interactive fiction. I've been slowly making my way through uh, Barking Dogs. Uh, Howling Dogs. Oh, yeah, Howling Dogs. Howling Dogs. Oh, what a wonderful game. Um, it's depressing. Like I keep getting oh, super depressed playing, and I'm like, I can't play another day of it's this. It's really sad. Yeah, it's really, but it's because it's all about imprisonment. You yeah, know? it's all about being stuck. We can do a whole panel about <laughs> that. Oh my gosh, I love that game. But um, if I were engaged in a real hierarchical thinking, I would be constantly thinking, is this a better thing for me to do than playing some other kind of game? You mm -hmm. know, I'd be constantly thinking in terms of zero sum business deals. You know. We all know about business people become politicians who think of everything in terms of zero-sum deals, you know? And uh, that's such a destructive and narrow way of looking at the world. And sometimes you just gotta relax these things and be like, okay, I'm gonna participate in this experience that's just gonna stand alone, and I'm not gonna be able to compare it to something else. It's like compar comparing a game to a piece of fruit, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in making that comparison right now. I wanna turn that off and just sort of keep my mind open and limber and loose for that. So I feel like when you don't engage in hierarchical thinking, um, when you do something new, that helps you better appreciate, you know, rather than constantly thinking, this is like this, this is like that, this is like this, this is like that, this is not like this, this is better, this is worse. Although I, I have kind of found myself over the last few years, especially being super busy, like when somebody's telling me about something and they're like, oh, it's okay, or it's, it's not that bad, I'm like, well, I probably just don't want to part. Like, I don't want to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I just have time for movies that people say are really good. Yeah. And like, same with games. Like, if a game is like, if they're like, eh, it wasn't bad. Well, I'll probably just skip that one. Mm -hmm. So I think I think having a nice threshold sometimes can be good, though. And games, when you compare a game hierarchically, a lot of times you're not comparing it. Like what you were saying before, you were comparing Splendor, not necessarily to Century Spice Road, but you know this quote-unquote average game. You know, in your head, like what's the What's the minimum replacement game that I can have, you know? And um, and if Splendor for some reason falls underneath it because it's too dry, then uh, Century Spice Road, there's a chance that it goes above that minimum replacement game. So, or at least it's at least the average, you know. So I think we have that threshold, mm -hmm. and that that thresholds, it could be really important. And to, to compare, the problem with that threshold is it rises every year. You know, it just yeah. gets higher and higher as the average game gets, the average expected game, that quality gets better and better and better. And we as designers have to keep on rising. It's just not enough to make a, a game with cool mechanics or a cool theme. We have to create something that's like, oh my God, this is unlike anything I've ever played before. This is incredible. I just want to keep playing this over and over again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do we have any other questions over here? It's uh, 11.45, so uh, this is, uh, you've heard us babbling for 45 minutes. Any other thoughts on the subject? What are your favorite questions on the subject? I, I think it's interesting why do people naturally do that? Why yeah. do we, you know, is it that if 
I just say, I'm, I assume, oh yeah, this game sucks, and I say that out loud, I just tweet that or whatever, I'm assuming there's some affirmation. Somebody's patting me on the back, like, yeah, totally, like, that's why you do it. I'm a, I agree. Or am I doing it to be combative? Like, I'm going to start a, I'm going to start a claymore. Yeah, even Voltaire, like, hundreds of years ago, uh, was writing about how much smarter a person will appear when they trash something, you know? <laughs> so so when, you, when you write, this game sucks, you have the potential of appearing smarter than when you write, this game is excellent, you know? It's, I'm almost shocked when I hear this sentence, I'm so glad somebody else doesn't like this game. <laughs> like, really, you're, you're excited that there's more people that dislike the game? I mean, I guess you're glad that somebody validated your opinion. Yeah, I think that's what it is. You know, it's, it's But, like, it just sounds like such a holy negative, like, I want everybody to hate this game. It's an emperor has no clothes moment, you know? It, it's the sort of thing, like, is it just me? Because when you're the only one who doesn't like a game, you feel sort of isolated and weird. And when there's somebody else, you, you start building a little community. Well, now, it's a community... People want, don't want, really, in general, don't want... New knowledge, they want to validate their because I think the internet has proven that recently. Yeah. <laughs> the yep. People will lock themselves into their own world, hearing what they want to hear as opposed to actually hearing reality. It's hard to hear something that, but it, yeah, it's hard to hear something that uh, sort of shakes your worldview. You know, that said, w there's a difference between a subjective opinion of a game, you know, because, because I mean, you're. Any game somebody can like or dislike. You look at your favorite game on Board Game Geek, and then you go to all the ones, and there's pages and pages of people ranking it a one because they didn't like it. And you know, so there's that's just subjectivity for you. I mean, mm -hmm. there's going to be games that you like that I hate. You know, yeah. um, so I'll, I'll come out and say I, I don't like Machi Koro. You know, it's like I find it just kind of kind of a dull, tedious game. But uh, there's that's not like an objective, you know, uh, flag in the stand opinion. That's like there's a ton of people who disagree with me because they love how quick and compact and 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 light and flowing that game is. Mm -hmm. and well, since we're throwing these out, Splendor. I think Splendor is actually. I like the I like the design. I think it's it's based on it's actually called Bazaar. It's kind of yep. a reimplementation of that. I don't like the game. I don't like the game because to play it well, I have to play everyone else's game at the same time as I'm playing my game. And I've gotten to the point where I don't find it entertaining. Yeah. So that, but I don't I acknowledge it is a good. Yeah, it's, and I think this is this is actually important when you are a designer and a, especially when you're a playtester, you have to start being able to tell the difference between a game that needs improvement and a game that is finished, but not a game that you enjoy, mm -hmm. you know? And that was a really hard thing for me to learn. Uh, but eventually, and I, I'm, I still struggle with it sometimes, you know? Uh, if I play like a take that game or a game with a lot, like my friend has a game that has a lot of negotiation, a lot of direct attacks, which is totally not in my wheelhouse. But I played it, I'm like, this game's done, you know? I hate it, but this game's done. And that's, that's really hard, and there's some people who aren't going to make that because they're going to keep on sorting things into buckets, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Splendor, but I can see why people find it bone dry or boring or what have you. And it, I mean, that's kind of where you're getting at. The hot is maybe a, it's an experience or a willingness to judge things a little more easily where, yes, it's fun to say your opinions about things, mm -hmm. but there's a, a great step of, this is a good game that I don't like versus I don't like this, so it's terrible. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, and, and again, while it makes you sound smart, um, I wish that there was more like social understanding that there's a blowhard effect at work and after a while it's like, good God, this is exhausting people. <laughs> How do you stand it? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, all right, any other thoughts or questions? All right, thank you, everybody, for coming by. You are my favorite people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs>